Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined as always by Gabby Urrutia, and it is the Sunday edition wrap-up pod here that we're going to provide discussing uh, more intelligently the 17-9 loss to Texas A&M for the Miami Hurricanes. Um, I am fresh off the plane, and I will admit I watched some of the game as much as I could while traveling, but not um, super in-depth. So I will be leaning on Gabby to drive the conversation wherever he wants to take it. Um, But yeah, I do feel like I learned some things after watching uh, what I did watch. So Gabby, you, uh, you know, I was in college station, solo dolo. You were not included on the instant reaction podcast. It was super late. So I I'm curious for your thoughts. We haven't really talked too much about the game, but, uh, where do you want to take things first? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know where to start. I mean, I guess I'll just kind of I feel like there's been a lot of doom and gloom. I guess I'll just kind of go big picture. I think that was kind of like my initial reaction was, um, you know, obviously I I think that was a very winnable game. I thought that, you know, if a a couple things were, you know, just went differently, I think that I think Miami could have definitely walked out of college station with, with a win. Uh, I don't think that they were severely, you know, overmatched in a lot of ways, especially not in the trenches. And I think that's really encouraging when you're looking towards the future of, of the program. And, uh, you know, I was, I was encouraged. I feel like I was encouraged about a lot of those types of things. And, uh, I, I mean, I feel like my biggest gripe, you know, I guess my biggest concern on the preview podcast was just the moment kind of being too big. And I felt like early on, uh, you know, it wasn't like that terrible first quarter we've seen in the past, but it did feel like it took them just a moment to settle into the game, at least definitely offensively. And then, uh, you know, the, the special teams blunder from Tyreek Stevenson, I think that's a, I think that's a moment being too big type of mistake, because I think if you're, I think that same situation against, you know, middle Tennessee, I think you're just kind of fielding that punt or you, maybe you're just kind of fair catching it, letting it die and just not trying to make a play out of something that's not there. So um, I think overall, but I think overall, you know, uh, I think this, I think there's a lot of positives to take away, especially on the defensive side of the ball, the way the team ran the ball, uh, things like that. But yeah, I mean, it was kind of a gut punch losing that game because it did feel to me like they could have won it. Agreed. Let's just do, you know, since you went big picture, just let's just do this at the start. Um, Temperature check. Your feelings on this team after this game. Do you feel better, worse, or the same coming out of this game? 
Yeah, in a weird way, I feel, I, I honestly think I feel a little bit better. Um, and I, I say that, I, I mean, knowing that the, you know, the passing attack is just night and day from what it was a year ago. But it felt like this team finally kind of responded in, in a big time game. And, you know, even they, they go down 17 to three, you know, kind of midway in the third quarter. And, you know, it was a moment where it was just kind of like, how is this team going to respond? And, you know, they, they just dug themselves into a, a two touchdown hole. Uh, you know, they come back, they drive all the way down the field and, you know, get it basically inside the five. Obviously, they don't score. They end up kicking a field goal, but they responded with with a strong drive. And again, it's not it's not the result you want, obviously, but I like that it wasn't just a moment that the offense just kind of shut down and it was like, all right, now from this point on, it's Texas A&M's game. I feel like they kind of still kept it close. So I really appreciated how much his team kind of grinded it out for four, for four quarters. And I think that's going to matter. You know, that you're not going to see another Texas A&M on the schedule until probably Clemson. So I think against the kind of field of competition that they have in front of them, I do, I, I am encouraged about the way that they're going to kind of be able to get through this schedule because I do think that they can get it done on defense. And, uh, you know, I, I thought they were really good up front running the ball against the really physical uh, Texas A&M uh, front seven. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm feeling a little bit better, obviously not feeling good about the receivers or the passing game, but I don't think at any point of this season or summer or even like spring that I feel good about the receivers. And yeah, Tyler Van Dyke maybe wasn't super sharp, but overall, I mean, I, I still feel like this could be a nine win team and a team that could potentially play for an ACC championship game. Yeah, the profile of this game is interesting because, you know, if I just gave you some of the bare bones stats coming out of this game, comparing Miami and Texas A&M, you know, so like, let's say this was Friday, right? And I, and I tell you, Gabby, I have a crystal ball. I know how this game's going to go. Let me tell you some key stats. And you tell me if you think Miami wins the game. What if I told you Miami won both lines of scrimmage? What if I told you Miami outgained Texas A&M by about 130 yards? What if I told you uh, Miami won the first down battle, 27, I believe, to 16? Yeah. What if I told you Miami had four red zone trips to Texas A&M's two red zone trips? What if I told you Miami won the time of possession battle, 34 minutes? What if I told you Miami ran the ball for 175 yards? What if I told you Texas A&M scored only 17 points? If I told you these things, you would, you would feel good about Miami winning that game, correct? I mean, if you told me that on Friday, I'd be like, okay, I think Miami won by like two or three scores. Like, I think that they went to College Station and kind of beat the crap out of Texas A&M. Like, you know, I think that that, all those numbers, I mean, they jump out and it's, it, you hear that and it's just like, okay, what happened that Miami lost this game by so, eight? Right. So it's, it's obviously turnovers, red zone, yeah. touchdown efficiency. Yeah. Let's go to the red zone talk. Do you have, like, what are your thoughts on the whole settling for field goal uh, situations? Because I think there's a case to be made. You know, look, I, I get it. It's frustrating because it looks like you're playing not to lose in a way, right? I, I wouldn't push back on that. 
But I do think in this particular game, this specific game, I think you could make the case that it makes sense to continue extending the game, to get the game to a one-score game in the fourth quarter. And Miami did that. Miami, what, with eight, eight and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter, it was a one-score game. Yeah. I think that was probably Miami's best path to a win, if we were being honest. And and it's frustrating. If I'm going to nitpick one of them, one of the field goal, red zone field goal situations, it's the one where they did drive down to the four yard yeah. line, I believe. And look, I'm not a big like play call guy where I question the play call and all that. But I will say that sequence had me scratching my head when it was what third and five ish. I yeah. don't know. And they ran the ball. And I assumed as soon as they ran the ball, they, they ran the ball because they were just in four down territory. Yeah. Right. So I was, I was, a, I was scratching my head that after they ran the ball on that play, they then sent the field goal unit out. Um, that's my biggest gripe with the field goal red zone stuff. Um, but in this specific game, and again, I know like the narrative surrounding Mario being a poor game day coach and look, some of that is earned. I'm not pushing back on that, but I think for this specific game, it's a little bit of clout chasing for the people that are throwing that out there because Miami was Miami entered this game as the underdog. Texas A&M has the better roster. They just simply do. And so when you have to win a game like that, you have to extend the game as long as you can. Um, And I think that approach for this game is fair. Now, if Mario's playing like that, you know, in a battle against, I don't know, Virginia, that's going to be frustrating because Miami then is the better team in that scenario. And yeah, you should kind of put your foot on their neck and go for some touchdown opportunities. So those are my thoughts. I don't know. You, you feel free to tell me I'm crazy and wrong because I think the other side of this argument is certainly valid and fair. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, I didn't have a problem with taking the points. The only one, like the only one I was going to mention when you started was that one in the third quarter where you're kind of driving down the field. And I, I just think like, all right, so you're down 17 to three, you're, you're down two touchdowns. Like you need to score twice. Like if you want, if your plan is to win the game, you got to score two touchdowns anyways, like you're down 14, you know? So I, I just think again, and, and it was question. I mean, they ran the way they ran Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, it, it went nowhere. Then they ran. That was weird. Yeah. It, it was a weird, it was a weird sequence. And honestly, like, I don't know, maybe I get some pushback on this. I don't, I didn't honestly didn't have an, a big overall issue with the play calling in general or the game plan, like the attack, the approach on offense. I thought there was a lot of executional things that just were just not done well, but I thought the overall like game plan was fine, but in the red zone, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was just kind of like, you run Tyler Van Dyke on second down, then you just kind of, I mean, you gave it to Jalen Knight and I don't know what you thought was really going to happen there. And I guess you have been running the ball well. But again, it, it felt like it was four down territory. Again, you just got down 17-3, and I get wanting to leave that drive with some points. 
But man, bro, I mean, you, you got to score twice anyways. Like you're going to have to score two touchdowns to get back into this game. And you already missed two field goals. I don't know. I mean, I had a hard, I, I did have a hard time with that, with yeah. that third quarter, um, you know, red zone deal. And I mean, I feel like you kind of just didn't even take a shot into the end zone. And I get the receivers weren't doing a ton. Right. So I get and that's I, the flip side. Yeah. Right? I mean, the hesitation, I, I do understand the hesitation, but man, you got to, you got to try, you do something with the tight ends, you get creative with it. I mean, there was a recipe for, I feel like app state had a couple deep red zone trips and kind of, you know, utilize the tight ends in a different, in different ways. And I feel like there was a sort of formula to kind of go about that, like that, that those downs and distance. And I didn't like the Tyler Van Dyke just random run. Cause that just seemed to be just, it, it just caught nobody off guard. Like the interior defensive lineman saw it, like the whole was just had his eyes in the backfield, did a really good job of that. Just kind of took two steps on Ja'Kai Clark and just hit Tyler Van Dyke. Like it, it did nothing. And then the Jalen, it just, ah, that was one that kind of frustrated me. But uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, I get, and we talked about it before too. Like this is a game where field goals matter, where like those opportunities to put points on the board mattered. And I, I get that. So the I, block I didn't have was big too. the block like, was huge for them. Yeah. And I had no problem with like, you know, obviously you kick the field goal in that situation, the earlier one, right. later, but that one was the one that I really struggled with. I agree. And I think that's the one to point to and, and have a, a conversation about, and I get both sides of it. Um, offensively, what, what are the potential answers at receiver? I, I really don't know. I feel like, I mean, I, again, I mean, I feel like we've talked about this here until we're, we're both blue in the face. I just, I just, I, I don't know what you can do at this point. Like, I mean, I feel like they needed to kind of evaluate the talent at receiver sooner and realize sooner that they maybe they needed to go get another guy in the portal. They didn't do that. And um, you know, you kind of, they are what they are. And again, I think, I mean, the Texas A&M secondary, I thought was really good. I thought their backups were really good. I mean, Bryce Anderson, I yeah. mean, play, being a true freshman, I thought, I mean, even the Jalen Jones, I mean, I think it was what, they ended up having four DBs out, then two more for, I mean, they're down Which to like. Which is crazy. Imagine yeah. if that scenario happened to Miami secondary. No, they would be done. I mean, would it, would be, like. it would be Kamari Rogers and like Chris Graves playing corner. And, and that's also a, a thing, like, I feel like that's also a testament to the recruiting, right? Like, I feel yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. also to the, yeah, it's, it's they're just further like, along. they're further along. They've stacked talent in the secondary and their fourth and fifth corners can hang around with, you know, those are, those are some of the best fourth and fifth defensive backs that you'll find that in any college football program in the country. So, um, you know, obviously still had some talented guys there and I just, I don't know, man. Is, is there an answer? I mean, you're not going to have Xavier Estrepo who I thought was a, you know, a massive absence. I thought that became very obvious in this game. And then it just didn't feel like the receivers were able to create a ton of separation. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I really don't know what the answer is there. What about Jacoby? I'm sure I, I don't know this, but I would assume the fan base is intrigued by him after the play he made. Yeah. I mean, I think that was like, I think that was one good play he made. Um, you know, again, I mean, you kind of get, get the ball, get the ball to some of those guys in space and let them run and move around. And I think that that's when they're best, but I mean, even, I think, I feel like Tyler Van Dyke kind of took a shot at him earlier in the game and he just kind of saw that, yeah. that he wasn't going to make a play, kind of gave up on it. I feel like he could have come around and at least tried to do something with it. I mean, that was just a dangerous play overall. And I feel like he just kind of bailed. So not super encouraged by that, but yeah, I mean, that move that he made was 
was good. And, you know, that's what he, we saw him do at the high school level. And, you know, when any of these guys get the ball in space, I mean, I think that they're pretty dangerous with it, but you need to be downfield threats too. You need to be able to make a play when the ball is in the air too, and kind of go up with the defend with the defender and, you know, try to win a ball. I just didn't feel like they were really fighting for a ton of balls downfield either. Mike Redding, Keyshawn Smith. Disappointing. I don't, I don't, I guess I don't know what more to say there at yeah. receiver. Um, how about offensive line? I think they played really well. I think you can see the immediate impact. Yeah. Mario Cristobal, Alex Mirabal are having with that group. I think they controlled the line of scrimmage. Texas A&M had zero sacks and I believe seven pressures. And again, Miami ran the ball for 175-ish yards. Um, I think if you told Mario those would be the stats, the stat profile of that game, he would take that all day long uh, against this SEC-type defense. Um, You mentioned Xavier Restrepo. If he plays in this game, I mean, this is kind of an unfair what-if. But that's what podcasts are for, right? Yeah. What if Xavier Restrepo plays in this game? I'm saying, yeah. like, what if he's healthy? Like, obviously. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it might. I mean, I feel like just a lot with Tyler Van Dyke. And again, I'm not saying he played a great game by any stretch of the imagination, but it did feel like a little bit of what we saw in that Southern Misses. It felt, it felt like he was hesitant. It felt like he didn't necessarily trust where he was going with the ball. I don't think he was throwing any of these balls and felt really, really good about what was about to happen. You know, it didn't feel like it was just a natural flow, um, you know, natural. Yeah, I feel like there was times he was just kind of sitting in the pocket, just kind of looking for somewhere, anywhere to kind of throw it. And sometimes he would just like, you know, pop it in somewhere. I feel like I think it was he needed that safety blanket. And I think that's kind of like the cliche with Xavier Restrepo right now is the safety blanket thing. But I think that there's a lot to that. And I think that's someone he would have been able to kind of lean on and depend on in this game, not to make, you know, a ton of maybe not a ton of plays downfield, but a guy that he could have gone to on third downs, a guy that he could have trusted to, you know, just make a play, you know, or just, you know, just kind of make one of those. I mean, even if it's a five, six, seven yard gain, uh, you know, I feel like Brashard, Brashard Smith ran a couple shallow routes where it's just like, you know, felt like he was a line, a a yard off the line of scrimmage. I feel like, you know, Xavier Strepo gives them a little bit more in some of those situations. So I don't know if it changes the outcome of the game. I mean, I don't want to say that, but I do think losing Xavier Strepo was impactful. And I think that, I don't know, it was pretty glaringly obvious to me. What is, you mentioned Tyler a little bit. How concerned are you? I don't know what to make of it. And I'm not going to like sound the alarm bells. I think there's a lot going on with why it's not clean right now. I think a lot of it is, receiver trust i think uh, i think some of it is a new offense um and then i think some of it is he's just been uncharacteristically off um on on i don't know three throws like it was like three throws this week three throws the last week so he's not like an inaccurate quarterback um but when you have all three of these things happening at once, it, you know, everything comes back to the quarterback. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not pretty right now, I think is the best way to say it. I, I'm confused by it. 
Um, you know, but again, his receivers aren't helping him out. There was a ton of drops. Like, yeah, which drop to you stands out the most as like being the one where it's like, man, like if that guy catches that pass, because I there's a clear answer for me. I'm curious if you're on the same page. Yeah, for me, it's the. I mean, I guess it's not really a receiver so To me, it's the Henry Parrish well, pass one. catcher. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean that that to me is the biggest like one of the biggest drops of the game just because it's it was a, a huge play if he yeah it was it, it was like a th- I think it was like a third and eight two or something like that and you kind of get that that back angle of it and it's just like grass in front yep. of him I'm not saying he would have taken it for a touchdown it's a twenty plus yard gain I think that's easily a twenty plus yard gain and, and I think that again just kind of pushes that thing and then I think right after that uh, Andres Borgales misses the the long field goal mm-hmm. so I mean it's just you don't know what the outcome of that drive is. I mean, if you're, and again, you're already in Texas A&M territory. You can't, I mean, I think that's, that's a, that's a huge, that was a huge, huge drop to me. Yeah. It's yeah. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know what they can do at wide receiver. This just might be it. And like when you play it, I think it's a concern when you play teams with the type of personnel Texas A&M has. Is it a concern against a Virginia Tech? I don't think so. But when Miami plays Clemson, I think it's a concern. When Miami plays even like a Florida State, it's kind of a concern. You know, are they going to be able to get loose, uh, create separation against that level of DB? Um, it's something they got to figure out. What did you think? You, you you mentioned you didn't have an issue with Josh Gaddis's play calling. I agree. Um, I thought, again, like the Henry Parrish thing, I thought he had an, a lot of nice play designs that got guys open. Yeah. No, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know what else they want. I don't know what else you want an OC to do. Like, he probably got, I don't know, I'm pulling this number out of nowhere, but I don't know, maybe 10 plays where like guys were open because he yep. schemed them open. That's kind of what you expect an OC to do. And then the other plays, like guys got to make plays, like yeah. guys got to go figure it out. I, to me, it was a lot of, it was, it was a lot of execution stuff. I feel like guys just didn't, at, at some point, like if guys make plays, I mean, he, Josh Gaddis looks like a genius yesterday. I mean, I feel like if a couple guys, make a couple plays, Josh, we're looking to talk about Josh Gaddis about how, yeah, maybe it's a methodical approach and all that stuff, but Hey, you know, they pushed the ball down the field. They ran the ball really well. Uh, a couple guys got, again, I, I feel like kind of, he, he did, he schemed guys wide open. I feel like, I mean, the Elijah Arroyo play that he was kind of like in mm-hmm. the backfield and ends up going on that wheel. I thought that was beautiful. Henry Parrish. I mean, he, again, we just talked about it. I mean, he schemed that up and Henry Parrish again, all he has to do is catch the ball there on third and eight. And, you know, that's, that's a 20 plus yard game. Um, I feel like definitely a couple other times where, you know, it Mallory. just, it, it, yeah. Will Mallory. Mallory. Oh, for that's sure. Will nice, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I think we, I think I like the way he kind of used the tight ends. I liked how he used the tight ends, even in the run game, kind of motioning, motioning them in and using them to kind of just attack right there. And, you know, as blockers in the running game, I thought that they were super efficient in that too. And again, at some point, like, you know, the receivers need to be able to get open. They need to be able to, yeah, I think, you know, the protection was good, too. Again, I thought those times Tyler Van Dyke was just kind of sitting there, just like yeah. kind of with the ball, like kind of bouncing around, like looking for something. Like if you can't get open, there's only so much. You O-line, can, like, 
is like not an issue with the offense. And that's crazy. You know, that we, you know, we really don't have to talk about it because I mean, they did their I, job. I think John Campbell was really good. I mean, I don't know. I like at that tackle spot. I thought he was very solid. My impression, you know, watching from the press box to me, Zion looks rusty. Zion, yeah. he was falling, falling down a lot, losing his balance a lot. Yeah. John Campbell's right now, and it makes sense because Zion's still working his way back, but John yeah. Campbell was the best tackle. And I thought Jalen Rivers was really good on yeah. offense. Was he the one that got bullied though in the uh, field goal block? I'm not, I'm not sure. I know Jalen Rivers early in the game kind of pulled, well, I mean, he probably pulled a couple times, but early in the game he pulled one time and opened up Henry Parrish for yeah. a run. I'm not sure if he was, he might've been, he, he wasn't like perfect or anything like that. I couldn't but I thought tell was, oh, yeah, I was I, I, I the, or justice on the yeah. uh, field goal block. Well, justice solo was shot. I mean, he put Miami in a bad spot one, I think a couple times two on yeah. one drive where he had like a, a hold or something like that. And then a false start. And I think like a second and five ended up being like a second and 15 and, you know, that yep. I think they ended up I, that might have been the one that that the field goal ended up getting blocked. But again, yep. another situation where they're where they were in a good spot and then like other stuff kind of pushed them back a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, overall, yeah, I mean, the offensive line stuff was was really good. And again, I think this style of play, too, that they have, like the physical up front, I feel like it's going to be pretty successful in the ACC, excuse me, in the oh, ACC yeah. against some of these teams like. There's not a lot of teams that are going to be big enough and strong enough or deep people. enough. Up, yeah, they're definitely going to bully some people here on the schedule if they play the way that they played against App State in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I mean, Texas A&M on both sides of the ball. And I think, you know, against ACC opponents, when you get into the red zone, you'll be able to run the ball for touchdowns. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think that's – it's just, you know, again, we said this after the Bethune-Cookman game, right? We wished that they put more of an emphasis on getting the downfield passing game going in that game. And we understood that that, you know, not necessarily going to be the identity of this team. The identity of this offense is running the ball. We get that. And obviously, you know, the goal is to win the game. I get that too. But if you're building up to Texas A&M, you got to know, like, you got to get your outside receivers some confidence that they can go make plays. And yeah, doing it against Bethune Cookman is, you know, should be easy work. But if they, if you don't give them opportunities to do it against Bethune Cookman, do we really believe that they can just, you know, flip the switch and, and do it against Texas A&M? You know, I'm nitpicking here, but you know, I, I think this game was winnable and that's where it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, defense, you know, I think outside of that touchdown drive, they allowed in the second half, I think they played really, really good, excellent defensive football. Um, that touchdown drive in the second half is basically, it was three plays. I think there was back-to-back big plays by Mm -hmm. Anais and, uh, Devin. Yeah. And And I think it was uh, James Williams personal foul too. Which added yeah, on like that extended. Yards. Yep. Which I don't know. That's a personal foul. Like, what's he supposed to do there? But yeah, and like Anais is trying to push forward. Like he's trying right. to fight for more yardage. Like James Williams kind of dropping him down. I don't think that should be a personal foul, but yeah, I mean it's what I think it's yeah, it is what it is. So outside of that drive, they played really good defensive football. Um, you know, 
Texas A&M offense is not good. We're not yeah. going to sit here and say that. But still, you know, Miami on defense played well enough to win. I think it was clear as the game progressed that Jimbo was basically, and you know, going through the game with the approach of we're going to ride with Anias and Devin A. Chain. Mm-hmm. We're going to get them the ball however many times we can and see if Miami can stop us. And I think they did contain them relatively well for the most part, but those guys are playmakers. You know, you talk about how Miami doesn't have playmakers. Texas A&M doesn't have a quarterback, but they do have those two skill guys that can really do some damage. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought, I mean, I thought, I mean, I thought the really, I just thought the defensive line was awesome. I thought Corey Flagg was Very really good. good. And that's not something that I, I, that's not something I've said a he ton on this start. podcast, which is interesting. Yes. Um, but still, I, I, I thought, I mean, I thought Caleb Johnson was good. I thought Corey Flagg was good. Um, I think a lot of people, I mean, I thought DJ Ivy had a, you know, a really good game. Best too. game of his yeah, career. Yeah. Easily. By far. Yeah. No, he was I, again, excellent. He, yeah, was he was awesome. And, yeah. you know, we throw, you know, when guys don't play well, we, we try and be fair and, you know, say, got to play better. When they do play better, we got to recognize it too. DJ yeah. Ivy was awesome, awesome, awesome. Because yeah. they went at him. Like they, they definitely did. They went at him. And DJ Ivy had Responded. some really nice pass breakups. Yeah. He did. I thought he was great. Again, but it's what you said. I mean, the defense to me played well enough to win. I mean, obviously, I don't think the fir- the first touchdown's not on them coming off the the punt return, all that stuff. I mean, I'm not putting that on the defense at all. Really, I gave they gave up one, you know, scoring touchdown, and then the first drive of the game where they they were kind of just settling in, they gave up the field goal. So, you know, yeah. I think once the defense settled in, I mean, I think they were just absolutely incredible. And uh, I think a part of the reason why I'm so encouraged is because. I mean, if this if this team was bad on defense, this yes. game could have been really, really, really ugly. And I think the improvements that we saw, like the way that defense played on on Saturday night is a clear, I mean, to me, it's just like, that's why I'm just like, if this defense can play this well and the offense figures it out a little bit, I think that this is still going to be a really, really good team. So, I mean, I'm, I'm super encouraged about what I saw on defense. I mean, we've been hammering. Uh, you know, how good that defensive line is in that rotation. I think we saw every bit of, you know, kind of like the preseason hype and all that stuff from a few different guys. So, yeah, I mean, I thought the safeties were really good. I thought Cam Kitchens was really good, too, just kind of with Devin A. Chain a couple yep. times. I thought J- James Williams was a was a good tackler. There was one time he kind of slipped up that, you know, he got right back up, made a tackle there on the on the, on the the sideline. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I thought the defense yeah. played as well as they could have played in this game to, to come out with yep. the win. For the game, they they had uh, eight missed tackles, which when you play an opponent like Texas A&M, that's a, that's a solid number. That's yeah. acceptable. Um, and honestly, like, I don't know how many missed tackles were was on that one touchdown yeah. drive at the third well, quarter. Wayne Minstead definitely missed one. <laughs> like that was that yeah. was that was pretty bad. That was probably the worst defensive, like singles defensive that was a bad play, play I saw. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, I think it's worth noting too, James Williams. I don't know if this was match the matchup on purpose. It seemed like I don't know. James Williams did the best job against Anias Smith in coverage, which kind of surprised me because Anias is quick. Uh, James Williams held his own. I think he had two pass breakups. 
you know, when, when James Williams was covering Anias and they targeted Anias, uh, he only caught one of those three targets for 12 yards. To Corey Couch, uh, gave up both of his targets when Anias, when he was covering Anias and uh, Al Blades as well. So um, James Williams showed his ability to cover at a big time level. Early in the game, there was one play where it's, it's just like an out route with mm-hmm. Anias and I think Takori was covering him and Anias just created like, yeah, it's, it felt like six yards of separation just with an out route. And it's like, man, like if Miami just had one guy like that. Yeah. Well, it's funny on, on that coverage. I remember watching that back. Like I feel like Takori couch took a step kind of towards like the middle of the field when Anias just broke, like yep. he broke towards out and Takori just took like a false step. And yep. I feel like that like, that was it. You can't do that with guys like Anais Smith. Like he definitely took like a false step or like hesitated a little bit. And Anais was just kind of like already like four yards, like to the left, to the, to the right of him towards the sideline. So yeah, that wasn't, um that wasn't pretty either. And Max Johnson, not good, but yeah. good enough to win for like, he's better than Haynes King. Mm-hmm. And I will give him credit in one regard. Uh, he does hang tough in the pocket. Now, does he hold the ball too long? Yeah, I think he's focused. He's hyper-focused on getting the ball to Anias. Um, but I will say, like, there was plenty. He's a big dude, and he does run better than you think, you know? And there was times where, like, like I feel like so the defense – the defense finished with three sacks. I feel like they could have had, like, six sacks. There was times where, like, he held on it. He held onto the ball as late, 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 late as he could. There was guys at his feet, and he mm-hmm. still got the ball out to his check down, whether that was a chain or or Anias, and you know, turned a negative into a positive. So Max did his job in that regard. Um, and then in that in the third quarter, I feel like he did pop some scrambles that hurt Miami's defense a little bit. But overall, again. Defense was excellent. If they play like that all season long, you're right. And honestly, like this is, I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying this, but like if you gave me a choice between elite defense or elite offense, this is going to be, this is very unpopular, but I would always go elite defense. I just enjoy watching physical defenses uh, that can choke out the other team and pose their will on the other team. I'm not saying this defense is that, right now um but that was fun to watch in the stadium just miami's defense step up and you know hold their own go toe-to-toe with with a and offense that has some playmakers um i also want to mention too i think jafari harvey had a good game um he had a sack so yeah. and he was generating pressures uh mesador was good too he was generating like he was, I feel like he was the guy that was constantly at Max's feet, just like almost getting him for the sack yeah. and Max would get it away, you know, but he was bearing down on him uh, quite a bit. Um, all right, we'll wrap this up soon, but special teams, um, you know, I, f- I feel like we thought Miami had the edge there. Yeah, definitely didn't. Unfortunately, that's not the way the game played out due to the turnover and the blocked field goal to me the missed field goal 
that kind of just happens in college football. You know, there's yeah. a 49 yarder, um, but the block field goal was tough to stomach. Got to be better in that phase moving forward. Um, and yeah, anything else on Texas A&M you want to mention that that stuck out to you? Shamar Stewart, I think, yeah, is a good player. If we're gonna be yeah. honest, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's kind of crazy that he got he was like a summer arrival and is starting for them on like you know off the edge is a a pretty big deal, man. And you know, again, I thought he. I thought I, I didn't think he was too bad. And, you know, obviously I think some of the veteran tackles got the best of him a few times. Like I thought Jan, John Campbell handled him pretty good early in the game. I think Zion Nelson had a pancake on him one time where he just kind of like laid on top of him. Um, but I mean, I think it's a big deal that he's playing out there. So, so good for him. You'll keep Brown. No, no. I don't know if he had a catch. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember him. Let me see. I don't remember him making like a big impact play or anything like that. Yeah, and Amari Daniels one got target. Yeah. So I think they did a good job, honestly, you know, shutting down the, the rest of, you know, those types of guys. So, uh, yeah, man, I mean, kind of a tough loss. It stings and, uh, you know, obviously not the game you want to lose. I think that, you know, obviously a a lot of people are going to be rightfully upset that Miami didn't win that game, but you you know, yeah, for sure. For sure. That's totally uh, fair. Cause it was there. It was winnable. It definitely was there. It was, it was right there. Texas A&M is going to come down to hard rock stadium, uh, in twenty twenty. I guess what 2023 is this 2023 we're in 2022 no okay 2023 uh I'm getting my recruiting I'm, I operate in tw- the class of 2023 I got you. that's why you're confused so, yeah that's I, why I was I'm wondering I'm like man what is going on with it but I, yeah no I operate it's confusing because the current yeah. class is 2023 I got you yeah I'm not like I don't know whatever anyways so I mean Texas A&M comes down next year you're gonna get another crack at them uh you know at Hard Rock Stadium so um, I think that's encouraging. And then, you know, the rest of the schedule, I think, plays out pretty favorably. So got to handle business the rest of the way. And, uh, you know, I think Miami will have an opportunity, another a couple opportunities potentially to play in a few more big games, uh, you know, d- uh, down the road. And, you know, after watching them in, on Saturday night in front of 100 plus thousand people in, in, in College Station, uh, you know, I, I, I feel better about that team going on the road ne- the next time. And, and being able to embrace the environment and, uh, you know, be, being able to hold their own. So I think that was a good first step. And I know that's not something a lot of people want to hear, but uh, right. I think it's the reality of the situation. And, uh, you know, it, it is a process. College football and roster building and, yes. and winning is a process. So uh, it takes time. And I think Miami took a, like, you know, tangible step forward, uh, you know, on Saturday night. So I think you can see, like, you know, look, it's obvious that the wide receiver talent needs to improve, right? I think it, I think you can see though, like with the running system that Mario Cristobal is going to implement, uh, how when you add in, when you sprinkle in a dominant receiver, that offense is going to be hard to stop. And is it going to score 40 points a game? Probably not. But is it going to control the game? Is it going to score 34-plus points per game? I think so, if you get the right personnel in place. And that's what Mario Cristobal is all about as a head coach. He's going to significantly upgrade the personnel. Uh, I think, too, look, the running backs were excellent. Yeah. Not Well, excellent might be hyperbolic. The running backs were very good. Yeah. I think you could still make the argument, though, 
you know, let's see what it looks like when you got a 220 pound back in this offense. You know what I mean? Uh, An NFL bound 220 pound back. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, a guy that's going to play on Sundays, you know, like I don't a Trevante citizen uh-huh. right? would have been interesting in this offense to watch this year. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I think culturally, again, this is people don't want to hear this. I get it. If you think it's corny and you're rolling your eyes, you year one of a coaching tenure is about establishing your culture in a lot of ways and establishing your identity. And you can see the players are buying into what Mario Cristobal is all about. You could see by the way it played out on that field. I feel like in previous years, if that Tyreek Stevenson fumble happened with previous leadership regimes, I feel like an avalanche would have happened on Miami and it would not have been a competitive game. Of course, I would have much rather seen Miami win the game. That goes without saying. But I will admit, I personally enjoyed watching Miami compete for four quarters in a game with stakes, in a game that matters on the road. I don't know the last time that happened. Uh, And so, again, the goal is to win the game. But I do think this team is taking some steps forward in getting to the point where they can turn the corner and win these types of games. I think one thing that you said that like, again, we didn't talk a ton of, we haven't talked a ton about about the game until just now, but I think one thing you said that kind of stuck out to me that it felt like this team played with Mario Cristobal's like, like they took on Mario Cristobal's personality in this game and the way that they kind of battled yeah. for four quarters and uh, especially how they operated in the trenches and ran the ball and all that stuff. I feel like it's, it's about creeping closer to that and, you know, I think this team will get there. And, uh, you know, so again, not to keep, uh, you know, harping on it, but I do, I am encouraged. We'll about see. They, they got to improve. The passing yeah, for game sure. has to get better yeah, from this. For sure. uh, if it doesn't, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a frustrating season to watch. Um, but again, if you believe coaching matters, you know, these coaches will figure out some answers. So, Let's go. Let's stop there. We're droning on and on. Uh, Middle Tennessee State week is upon us. Good week to get right in the passing game. Uh, Appreciate everyone for listening. Until next time, take care.